Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstoner, where I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. The assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our YouTube channel where you can access exclusive content. We also have a YouTube handle that makes it easy to find us. That's youtube.com slash at Clear Eyes Full Hearts. Also, we are continuing to release new episodes of the podcast every other week. That's right. So join us as we recap all your favorite episodes, chat with amazing guests, and answer your questions. Email us everything you want to know at Pod at gmail.com today. We are talking about Season 5, Episode 9, Gut Check. It was written by David Hudgens and directed by Chris Iyer. This synopsis from NBC reads, Coach Taylor threatens to suspend Vince, Becky starts a surprising new job, and Tammy and Epic grow closer. We also have the one and only Brad Leland, a.k.a. Buddy Garrity, returning to chat with us today. But before we talk to Brad, let's recap this episode. To start off, I need Vince and Luke to chill. I want to put them in one of those ice baths together. <laughs> and they're not allowed to get out until they shake hands and say that they're friends again. However, it does make for, I think, one of my favorite post-game speeches by Coach. Yes, it's a very short post-game speech where he just comes in and he goes, Hey, y'all get the hell out of our field house, right? Like, there's a, basically the extent of it. Nothing more needs to be said in that nothing moment. Nothing more needs to be said. Bad. The whole team is divided. Everyone's fighting each other. Yeah, and you're right, Stace. When you were saying you wanted to stick him in an ice bath, I thought this was getting sexual or something. I didn't know what you were going No, f- fully clothed, throw him in there, and they're not allowed to get out until they come out as friends. I like that. That's a good idea. Also, Pete, this is just a sidebar. Anybody who does do ice baths as like a thing for health or whatever, you're going to know it because it's all they talk about. Yeah. Have you ever done one? I hate them. Oh, I do them all the time. They're great, Stacey. Let me tell you about an ice bath. Shut up. Do you really? No, I've done them a couple of times though, and I really do like them. It does hurt. I was in Prague actually visiting Kitch. She was shooting a film and there was a gym that we were both working out at that had a natural ice bath like spring. It was spectacular. Oh, I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's more relaxing, Stacy. Think about like a cowboy bath, like a tin bathtub just filled with ice. Yes. One of my neighbors has one, and you're right. All he does is talk about his ice bath. <laughs> that, being vegetarian and being from Texas, are things you will know right away about some of these. Yes. Speaking of, I'm going to tell you guys, this is a generalization, but I also believe it to be fact. Nobody sucks at history. Epic comes and tells Tammy, I'm bad at Texas history. No, you're not. Like, all you have to do is memorize some names and some dates. Like, you could be bad at physics. You could be bad at math. You could maybe be bad at English. But if you're okay in English, you're okay in history. But I do get that David Hudgens probably wanted to throw in that as Texans, oh boy, we take a lot of Texas history. I got to be honest with you, as a person who grew up in Florida and then moved to Texas, Texas is the only state I know of where they actually have a required high school course about their own state's history. I think California might, but only once. We take it every other year. I don't know. Stacy. you know what the hardest class I had in college was? What? Well, at least, you know, in my theater classes. What? Theater history. Oh, I love theater history. Well, I planned to ask you three questions, Stacy, 
Did you look at your notes today? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm sick and I did not read my notes and I'm looking at them right now and I want to die. <laughs> I know Stacy doesn't check the notes after I put them in. So I made sure to ask. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Stacy. I just stepped in it. <laughs> Stacy, who is Thespis regarding theater history? Who is He's Thespis? the first actor. Okay. All right. Right? That's one for one. Yep, you're one for one. Okay. I used to think he was the god of acting, but he's not. He's like an no. actual person who stood up on stage and he like was the first actor. We've got to hurry through these because we've got Bradley Lincoln coming. What Soviet-era Moscow art theater practitioner is credited with being the first to outline a systemic approach for using our experience, imagination, and observation to create truthful acting? I don't know. He's the father of modern acting, Stacy. Danizovsky. Yes. He's Russian. Yeah, Stanislavski. It was the only kind of Russian sounding. It, it was that or Putin. Those are the Russian people I know. Okay, here's your last question, Stacy. Who was the King of England in Shakespeare's time? It was Queen Elizabeth. It was a trick question. You're correct. All right, the moving on. The only reason more... I know that is because Judy Dench plays in Shakespeare in love. Doesn't matter. You aced your theater history quiz. All right, let's move on. We got to get back to Friday Night Lights. The fans of this show are like, what the hell are these people talking about? I honestly didn't know number two. That was a shot in the dark, by the way. Okay, good. I tried to word it so that it was difficult for you. This is why you need to check your notes, though, Stace. To be fair, history was also my favorite class. So this is why I'm like, epic, shut up. You're not bad at Texas history. Okay, listen, Mindy is always going to take the path of the wrong choice, but I respect it because she's reliable. She's reliable in that she's going to do the wrong thing. She lets... Becky, take a shift at the landing strip. As a waitress. Let's just be clear about that. Yeah, she becomes a waitress. It's still awful. I mean, the girl's still in high school. She shouldn't be working in the strip club when you're in high school. Not with those guys. Yeah, Billy and Mindy are not exactly the best surrogate parents. They're not the worst. No, that's true. Vince's dad's pretty terrible. Yeah, there's some bad dads. You are not among the bad dads of Dylan. No, as far as bad dads and Dylan are concerned, I'm one of the best. Yeah, you're coaching Luke's dad. And Jesse. It's not a high bar here. There's four of you. I mean, the men of Dylan are, yeah, lacking in a lot of things. God, we just keep segueing into what I want to talk to next because, listen, Vince's dad isn't wrong in what he tells Vince. Okay, so I'm not sure if I actually got it right. Coach takes Vince out of a practice Yeah. as QB. Just one practice. Not a game, just one practice. Yeah, just one practice. At the start, yeah. And then Vince's dad is saying, like, kid, it's okay. It's one practice. You're still a leader of this team. And I was like, he's actually right. He's right about that, but I think what he's missing is the overall point that Vince has been acting like a jerk recently, and like what needs to happen is Vince needs to change the way he's been acting. He needs to change his attitude. Yes. If he was smart, he would have told him, hey, go in and talk to Coach. You need to go in and apologize for the way that you've been acting. Oh, I hear you. That's not what he does, though. And you can tell by the look on Angela's face that she feels a little differently about the advice that Ornette's giving. I mean, yes, it is one game, and he's still the leader, but as I said before, what needs to change is his attitude. Once his attitude changes, everything's going to be fine. You're actually completely right about this. You guys know how much I hate saying that. You're totally right. <laughs> Dirk is the biggest smile on his face right now. <laughs> you are right. Okay, so Vince's dad wasn't wrong, but it wasn't good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm going to say that. He's not wrong. He just could have added to his advice there, I think. I don't know. There's a scene that comes up next, and it's Michael B. and Carol Chandler, because I guess Vince didn't go to the practice. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I had a little bit of trouble following the through story in this episode. Vince missed practice like the episode prior because he went to go visit Oklahoma Oh, Tech. that's what it was when he went to go to. That's what they were talking about. Coach is still PO'd about that. He was lied to by Vince. I thought he missed the one where he wasn't going to be quarterback. Well, he did also miss. He was supposed to coach Luke. 
Luke. And have like a private session with Luke and he didn't show. Here's why I didn't get that storyline. I had not forgotten, but I remembered Michael B. Jordan has the most beautiful eyes I have ever seen. Like when they come on the screen, it's just, I'm sorry, you can't deny this. They are so big and bright and they sparkle and I get lost in them. They are gorgeous. Why don't you go take an ice bath with them, Stacey? I totally would. I know you would. They're gorgeous. (laughs) I got lost in Vince's eyes. (laughs) That's what was happening. I think that's probably exactly what was happening. She's not even lying. I love Journey so much as a person and as an actress. I followed her career a lot even before the show. Eve's Bio is one of my very favorite movies when she was really, really young. Never, ever, ever a false moment comes out of that girl. Like her face and her emotions and everything that she does. And Jess is very quickly becoming a favorite of mine and it's all because of her. I adore her. I was just watching the scene going, oh. Like, did someone, I mean, someone needed to come at Vince. And I'm glad Jess came at him this way. His ego was getting out of control. Hopefully, once, you know, the dust settles and he calms down a little bit, he'll take what she's saying to heart. And you're correct. Journey's fantastic. I think you're right, because it could only be his dad or her that he would maybe listen to in this moment, because he's not really listening to Coach. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you need that in life. You know what I mean? Someone who's on your side that'll literally shoot you straight, you know? You've done that for me. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's what good friends do. Yeah, that tough love. I feel like you've done the same to me. Yeah, and it's a little bit like our friend Lily the other day asked me a question, and I was like, right now, do you want stock best friend response, or do you want some harsh truth? And she was like, harsh truth, let's go. And I was like, great, here we go, because I was ready to do either. Yeah. yeah. Right? Sometimes you need that, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think sometimes in the middle of whatever situation you're in, you can only see things from like a myopic perspective. Or sometimes I'll be the best friend and be like, you're right, that was terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Okay, so Matt and Julie are in Chicago. I guess they've spent a weekend a weekend together, like having fun and doing all of these things, and then she's leaving or maybe not leaving and whatever, and then they kissed, and it was like, I've been wanting to do that this whole time, and I had just assumed they had been doing that from the get-go. Hmm. It's interesting, because all I could think about in this whole entire scene is that they're shooting in downtown Austin. Oh my God, I recognized it. Yeah. I recognized that railing. Yeah. Because there's an ADR place right behind where that railing is. So they're shooting in downtown Austin, but it's also the middle of June. And poor Matt and Julie and all the background actors in that scene are having to wear winter coats because it's supposed to be fall in Chicago, but it was probably like 95 degrees at night. This is the kind of stuff when you're an actor. Yeah, it takes you out. You're like, God, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly where there. It's right off 6th Street. I know exactly where. Yeah. They did get a truck that said Chicago Tribune on it, though, to go in the back. So, like, yeah. that's impressive. If you notice in the background, there's like a guy dressed up in Chicago police uniform, and then mm-hmm. all the license plates are Chicago. Good like, job good by our art department. Nobody would know, but. Yeah, we know. Yeah. But don't you think? I just assume, like, they're in his place and she's there that they would be, like, you know, rekindling old flames, but they weren't. And, like, listen, I'm impressed at the restraint of the two of them that that's the first kiss. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. Good for them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, Maddie's uh-huh. growing up a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I like Coach when he's, like, boss coach. And it's what you're talking about when you have to give tough love. And this is different because it's tough love given to a, a student of yours. Uh-huh. I don't think I could do that. I am a teacher, but I could never talk to my kids. I just don't have it in me because I have a, the voice of a 12-year-old anyway, and people don't take me seriously. But like, they like to sit down and like give them the what for. I sort yeah. of wish I want to take on a little, a little more of that. Yeah. Coach has that. Yeah, 100%. This is a great scene. I forgot, you know, when Vince is in Coach's office, I forgot about all this drama. 
I really did it. It's this is what's fun about going back and rewatching the show. Vince fooled around, and now he's finding out. And Coach ain't playing. He's finding out from both Coach. Yeah, Coach ain't playing. He could be scary. Yes, in a good way. It's scary because they need the lesson. But like, I wonder how it's taught. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Epic. Was not expecting this at all and like our friend Lynn is in there too but ooh, she got her hands on Tammy and like that you can't yeah you can't do it that whole scene escalated quickly and I, once again this is another one of those storylines I didn't remember that that's where it went you know what I mean I didn't know clue but the minute she puts hands on Tammy then Levi the principal or see the he's principal yeah he's principal Levi has to then come in and cops have to be called and it's a whole thing he you has know? to so, right like even though yeah Tammy's like it was an accident it was an accident like it honestly it was an accident that it was to her but it probably would have happened to Lynn's character if it wasn't her we never find out either if she actually stole the money but I think it's kind of safe to say that she probably did oh I'm gonna talk about that in a minute because I have thoughts Mm. because I have thoughts okay we'll get to again I'm gonna blame all of this on being sick and I could have rewound And watched again, but my brain was so jumbled that until this moment, I didn't realize that's a thing I could do. Did Coach say to Jess when she's crying in the locker room, which is already such a weird, like, I already felt uncomfortable for Coach because that's like his locker room and his safe space. And there's a girl in there crying and he's like, oh, God, what do I do? Yeah. Did he say, I have two dollars? Daughters. I have two daughters. I was like, is that some sort of inside thing that they have that I forgot about? No. Because Jess is like, yeah, I totally <laughs> understand. I get your $2. And then she's like, Oh, boy, guys. This is what I have to deal with. I apologize right now for this entire episode. It's all my fault. Stacy's got walking pneumonia right now, so we're cutting her a little slack. I really do. No, he says daughters. It is a great scene, though, because as you said, Stace, there's that awkward moment where you've got this, she's completely and totally out of place. You've got a girl in the men's locker room crying at the start of the scene. Crying. And it starts off a little bit like a scene in maybe a league of their own or something. No crying in baseball. Yeah, because he he looks at her and there's a kind of perplexed look on his face where he goes, are you crying? What do I do here? Yeah, yeah. But then you see this really sweet side of coach that comes in where he basically tells her, you know, things are going to be all right. And and then he doesn't 100% say it, but it's basically implied when he says, I've got two daughters. Oh, boy. That I know what this is. I know what you're going through. I've experienced this. This isn't my first rodeo being around women. And without saying it, he's kind of saying, my door's open. If you need to talk. And I've got $2 and we can go buy a Kit Kat and a Snickers bar. I kid you not, Derek. I thought it was I have $2 and they were going to walk over to the candy machine and get candy. (laughs) I 100% am not kidding. I apologize to David Hudgens right now. I don't (laughs) mind that if that's how it ended. I swear to God, I thought that's what it was. Yeah. I also love that he kept that respectful space between the two of them and he didn't go over to try and touch or hug her. But he's like, locker room and you and I'm just going to tell you like I'm here. It was so exactly what coach taylor would have done in that moment it was yeah. a really good scene great scene two dollars aside it was a really <laughs> good scene okay in chicago do you agree matt's place is kind of awesome that loft yeah it's way better than any place that i lived when i was living in like new york city i would live there now yeah it's not bad where to go maddie you and me yes on the bed talking about 
the babies is hands down my favorite scene I have ever done with you. This is one that's on my reel still to this day. Oh, really? I love it so much. It's a great scene. That was a fun scene because Stacy and I improv the very end of that scene where I took the test. What are they the called? The pregnancy test. Oh, yeah. The pregnancy test. I take the pregnancy test and I kind of like put it in my mouth like it was a cigar. Like a cigar. I improv that. And then Stacy immediately improv the line where she says, you know, I peed on that, right? David Hudgens talks about it to this day, that it's his favorite button that was ever put on a scene. It was a fun scene to shoot. I loved it. But it was also, you know, you got the emotions of, you know, Mindy's kind of like, I don't know how I feel about having a baby. And of course, Billy's over the moon. You're so excited. Yeah. And so it's just fun, like crying yeah. and laughter and sweet and riglets. Aside from it being us, it's a very sweet scene. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I liked working with you. I liked working with you. Oh, that's the sickness talking. Ooh. Okay, I said I was going to talk about it. I'm talking about it. Yes. Is this it? Is this yes. the end of the epic storyline? Because if it is, I am mad because we talked Last episode and the episode before about I don't know where this is going. She lied about having a bad home life and her foster parent was actually lovely and the boys loved her and she was so good with Gracie Bell. And now all of a sudden this happens and Epic's gone. She's transferred to another school. She's kicked out of her foster home. If this is it, I am mad. I hear you. And I think that you have reason to be mad given some of the previous things that have happened on Friday Night Lights, as you said, with, you know, Janice from Friends and the murder plot and Austin Nichols being brought in and Santiago and all that stuff. But I'm of the opinion that this is exactly how the writers wanted this storyline to end, that this was intentional, that it's abrupt. And it's like, wait a minute, we just got to know this person. And all of a sudden, they're just gone. I get that for Tammy. Like, she can't help anymore. Yeah. We've seen Tammy up to this point you know, totally changed the trajectory of other kids' lives, specifically Tyra's. But the intention on this one was to show that you can't save them all. I think that's what this was. I'm not mad at your thought there. I think that this happens abruptly. She's just gone. And just like life, that happens sometimes. If that's the case, I hope I see a little bit of a resonate in Tammy later. And again, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Now, that's a problem that I will agree with you on is all I think that we see is this little moment afterwards with her and coach where she's distraught and she's like, I tried. And he's like, hey, you did everything you could with that girl. And that's basically the extent of the epic storyline. She did. But I can get your frustration given some of the past storylines on the show kind of going nowhere. I wrote down all of the storylines that went away and I've decided there's like a room of FNL lost souls and Epic slowly walks into the room and joys like yeah. Santiago and volleyball and Austin Nichols and Janice from Friends. They're all waiting for her there with open arms. <laughs> all the scenes that got cut with me and my dad. The FNL purgatory. <laughs> the whole other show. But that was one of the things about this show. On some shows, you know that your scenes are not going to get cut. On Friday Night Lights, it was like, there's a good chance, you know, if you shoot five scenes, only four of them are probably going to air, you know? Yeah. And that was with everybody. Everybody knew that going into it. Sometimes they were great scenes. Yeah, we all had good stuff get cut. Yeah, sometimes they were cut for time. Sometimes they were cut because the A storyline wound up being way more prominent, you know, or sometimes the B storyline became more prominent. And was the better storyline than the A storyline. So that's just kind of par for the course on a show like FNL. The only reason I'm mad is I got to be so invested in Epic and the layers that they wrote for her as writers. So I'm mad that the writers made me enjoy her. Yeah. Listen, David Hudgens, I'm speaking specifically to you. You make me love somebody and then you take them away from my life. I think you have some room to be a little upset there. I mean, if this was the first time that something like this had happened on Friday Night Lights where a story just ends abruptly without closure... 
then I think that you wouldn't have a bone to pick. But this is like the fourth or fifth time. No, but this one makes sense with what you said. Like, Tammy can't win them all. She's not Superwoman. I'm not mad at that. I do think had there been a little bit more resolution or that we see how this is affecting her, that she doesn't just get over this after one scene with Coach, then maybe there'd be a little bit more of a resolution for us as Mm. an audience. Meanwhile, the game, speaking of resolution, has ended and East Dillon pulls off a last-minute victory. Go figure. With Luke Cafferty at quarterback. Vince's dad is coming out of the stands to give Coach an earful for not letting Vince play, but Vince stops his dad before he can do anything stupid and make things worse for Vince. And Vince called Coach's bluff earlier and lost. And it looks like Vince is finally starting to listen to some of the women in his life because he had a moment with Angela earlier in this episode. (laughs) Angela had a scene with him where she was like, you know, I love your dad, but maybe don't always take his advice. Hopefully... He's at the beginning of trying to fix this relationship with Coach and the team, and that he realizes his mistakes in the past. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. No, no, it's Friday Night Lights. I don't know. <laughs> it could just end abruptly. And that's the last scene we have with Vince. Shut up. I swear I'm to kidding. God, I would throw my computer against the wall. <laughs> we never see Michael B. again. Okay, but the last scene is Julie getting in her car. And she's going to leave because her, like, her time in Chicago is done. But like Matt like runs up and stops and it's sweet and whatever. But she does get in the car and drive off. And all I know is she's going somewhere. And I 100% guarantee you she's not going back to school because that girl doesn't want to go to school. So where is she going now? I honestly can't remember. I think she does go back to school, though. I will give you $2 for a candy machine if that's true. <laughs> hey, I've got $2. Hey, I got $2. We need to make a t-shirt on this show that says $2. All right, guys, that might be the end of our talkback session here, but stick around. We got Brad Leland coming up next. Ladies and gentlemen, we are thrilled to have Brad Leland back on the show, our returning champion. <laughs> so the last time we had you on the podcast, well, I mean, frankly, a lot of things have changed since then. We are now East Dillon Lion fans. Buddy's been divorced. He's lost his car dealership. Lila went away to college. Bud Light moved back from California to live with you. How are things going for you in your part of the world, Brad? In Buddy's part of the world or in my part of the real world? Both. Both. Yes. Well, I, I don't remember what Buddy was doing at that time, but Bud Light was okay. He was okay until last week when Derek broke him. <laughs> yes. Billy broke him. Oh. <laughs> Jeff Rossick, we've had him on the show and discussed how he had a torn Achilles tendon that actually happened to Jeff. And then they had to write something into the show to make it so that the actual actor, Bud Light, was injured on the show. But Brad, talk to me about what's going on with Buddy Garrity in this fifth season. In the fifth season, I think I'm happy except for the fact that the writers and producers will not let me have a girlfriend or a date. <laughs> did was you ask, something- did you ask for it? Yeah. I said, does Buddy ever get to be, you know, is Pam come back or... You know, take anybody out for a date or something. Oh no, you're going to pay for your transgressions. Wow. But I didn't, I mean, it was, the, it was kind of fun at the time. Whatever they gave us at that point was really good stuff. And yeah, man, it, you know, and the, and the way that m- matched my real life when Bud Light got hurt was crazy because that's exactly what happened to me. I was on the state championship team, but my leg was in a cast. And so I didn't even play. And yet I was a part of the team. And so I, I didn't knew know that. that. Oh, I, oh, yes. When he tore his Achilles, I looked down up to him and he, he said, uh, are you hurt? And he goes, yeah, I'm hurt bad. Oh. And, like, and that flop thing was happening. And the coaches, everybody, we were all standing. He's, oh, man, that's Achilles. And they mm. knew that night. 
that he's going to have to have surgery. So immediately I was freaked because we're going to lose our whole storyline with Buddy teaching Bud Light to come back from being an idiot, but, but he's going to do it through football. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. how he beat the drugs and come back to being a good person because he's going to be a football stud. Well, this worked out even better because it showed them he could be part of the team without even playing. And that's what matched my real life. And that was ironic and cool. But that's during cool. the process, we thought he was going home because he's going to have to have surgery. So the Texas UT doctors did his surgery quickly. He worked. He rolled mm -hmm. around on that thing with his Achilles and he was on painkillers and stuff and yeah. worked and did become stay part of the team in, in real life as an actor, even though yeah. he was injured. So they didn't write him out. <sighs> thought for sure they would write him out. Instead, they did exactly the right thing. It gave it much more richness to the character. It gave it a full character. Derek and I talked about that, about how it made us sit back and realize how like fragile and expendable we are as actors. But in this family that we've created, we kept him around. And they had a storyline that they were thinking about doing with him if he was on the team, that they were going to talk about concussions and how bad it is in football, which I regret that we didn't get to do that. But what ended up with you and Bud Light, I really love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And what ended up in real life, touching on what you just said, is that we got beyond the lights. And with yeah. beyond the lights, we got to do that thing, which was help some people, help people's spinal cord injuries. Yes. Yeah. Beyond the Lights, for those of you out there who don't know, was a charity that Brad Leland and Kyle Chandler put together to help kids with spinal injuries. Brad, what was your favorite storyline from season four and five? Do you realize I'm 68? And I'm <laughs> Are you really? Yes. And I know I look like I'm about 80. <laughs> right. Hey, would you date me? No, I'm shocked. What I'm what, your story. I can't remember. We're wearing red now and we're Lions fans, which was hard for all of us, but now we love it. I got it. So <laughs> Dylan, so that's where you really learn he's loyal to Dylan, but when Dylan loses and mm -hmm. it's destroyed by those horrible McCoys and all their people, <laughs> that fills the McCoys is ruining Dylan. The bottom line is Buddy's gonna follow the coach anyway. I was thinking this is so cool because I get to leave them and we're going to go do this exact same thing because we're doing it the way it's supposed to be done. Not like those guys. So we're going to win. And then yeah. of course he gets to go completely back to Dylan, which is another perfect thing. Yeah. I mean, in the he, very end. Yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes from the show is it's like all is right with the world, but he's back in his golf cart, cruising the <laughs> Dylan track and yeah. making sure everything's on the up and up. First time I ever had the golf cart, by the way. Oh, really? I think you know, I never even had a golf cart, but they made it. I could have sworn like you did. did. That was their concession for not giving you a girlfriend. They gave uh -huh. you a golf cart. You didn't get a girlfriend or your Jumbotron. Brad, I did have a question for you. And this is for you, Brad Leland, more so than Buddy Garrity. But as Stacey and I have talked about on the show, by the end of season three, a lot of our main characters had left. Jeffrey Reiner had left the show. Were you personally, Brad Leland, a little bit worried about all these new cast members coming in, the fact that the show was going to be taking place at a new school. Was there a fear that maybe the show would lose a little bit of its luster or that it wouldn't be the same show that we had originally signed on for? What were your thoughts going no, into season I four? I never was even close to any of that. No, really. No, me, it was just a new chapter and it was a mm -hmm. new challenge. And I thought it was going to be cool to actually go to that other side, if you know what I mean, go to those other people, because there's all these people and guess what? It's all the same. It doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter how poor or rich they are. What matters is the values. And mm -hmm. they all have them when you have a teacher there for them. I also so love that Buddy like played with all those guys too. 
or played against them or whatever, but you guys have known each other since high school, like all the guys from the barbecue place and whatever. Like yeah, everybody all the East Dillon guys know Buddy Garrity. Oh <laughs> my gosh, Buddy. that was so much fun with the way that worked out because mm -hmm. not only those characters, but I love all those guys. We had a yeah. great time together and we didn't know each other from Adam, really. Yeah, I still play golf, you know, with the Rev. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, <laughs> it was the change, but it was the same. See, that's the cool part. Yeah. It's yeah, the same heart. Yeah. It's the same idea. It's football. It's the team. It's community. It's families. In the hands of other people, it wouldn't be that. But with this group. But was yeah. there any fear, you know, that all these new actors were going to be on the show or anything like that? I know me personally, I was like, oh, man. You know, we had created this wonderful thing, but now we're losing, you know, Adrian Palicki, we're losing Scott Porter, we're losing Minka Kelly and Gaius Charles. Oh and I was really worried, like, is the audience still going to enjoy the show the same way that they did, you know, in the first three seasons? Did you think about that at all or no? Or no? no. <laughs> Not at all? No, never. Oh, man. Okay. And one reason maybe is that story that I know I've told you all about. Michael B. walking in, he just got into Austin and we were in some Mexican food restaurant right downtown. <laughs> two or three of us and he randomly walked in this place by himself to get some food and i saw him and i already knew he was coming i already knew what he looked like of course mm -hmm. and he didn't know and he knew us because he'd watched the show mm -hmm. and he looked across the room and i went hey and he goes hey and he came over there in his first moment in austin he was like what's this like i mean i said man let me tell you what this is gonna do this is i said this to him your life will change and this will be the best thing that you've ever had in your life you're not gonna believe how much fun it is and he just looked at me like what he goes yeah but i heard and i said yeah wait till you do it man you're gonna love this more than anything you've ever done I think he believed me. But that's, and then <laughs> he walked into so. Austin. He got Buddy Garrett to tell him he's going to love it. So I think he did. The first time I saw him, like at base camp, he screamed across the parking lot, I know you. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know you. And then he ran over and picked me up and gave me a hug. And he was like, oh. I love Mindy. And I was like, Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and you immediately loved him a lot. I love Yes. It's interesting that you brought that up about Michael B because we've heard from multiple guests, including Jeff Rossick, that you were the first person who welcomed them to the cast was that intentional is that something that you try to carry forward yeah no, i mean i'm a social damn creature <laughs> i love people i love yeah. them i like to meet them i like to be friends with them i like to <clears throat> experience things with them all kinds and i do it all the time i don't just do it on the set or no yeah i just do it i mean it's like i was that little kid who could never stay in his room you know i was yeah. always outside and i always had to be with people and doing stuff just going and going so it's just natural there is truth to that. I can vouch for that because long before Brad Leland and I ever worked together on Friday Night Lights, Brad was putting together a reggae festival in Dallas. And I happened to be in Dallas doing a production of Of Mice and Men. And these things were right next door to each other. So in the middle of our production of Of Mice and Men, you'd hear like, we're jamming, we're jamming, we're jamming. <laughs> and Brad- you it like that. You were hearing it through the- barn wall was loud loud i mean super I loud thousands of people in the park with huge bass blowing yeah. across the <laughs> fire we wound up having to cancel multiple of that production of, of mice and men because we of brad it wasn't brad's fault it was just poor scheduling on the part of dallas theater center you know they knew that this reggae festival was on the books but anyway long story short brad would come over every day that the reggae festival was going on and while we were having performances because we tried to do it like three or four days it was like guys we can't do the show this way somebody's going to get hurt because nobody knows when their cues are coming the audience is complaining but brad showed up you did have a golf cart on That's this right. i remember this <sighs> but brad showed up in his golf cart and i remember i mean long before friday night lights and me meeting brad leland is Buddy Garrity. I had a relationship with him 
from working on of mice and men and Brad doing this reggae festival. And I just remember having multiple conversations with Brad <laughs> sitting outside to be like, Hey man, is that, <laughs> is the music too loud? Are you guys doing all right in there? Like, I mean, it's <laughs> no, you're pretty good. You're getting better every time. Getting better. Every maybe I'm getting better. Time. I wish I had a hat. Mark, do you have a hat? Oh, he does. I want Are you going to do time. your Derek Phillips? Because no. I'm wearing a baseball cap. I just thought of someone I want to do because I've been doing them all the time on cameos. Brad's got a gigantic bar of sea salt almond chocolate. And a baseball hat. And a baseball cap. Off camera. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. This is. I have to take these off. Sorry. Okay. Oh, he's taking his headphones off. You guys, I wish you guys could see on this Zoom call what we've got going on here. When we get Brad on the show, he's got like a professional wow. setup. He looks like a professional DJ. Oh, there we go. There it is. That's me. Buddy. Is that me or Bud Light? I mean, the man doesn't know how to wear a baseball cap. He's not singing <laughs> in the whole series where he's not like this. Okay. Is that coach? Like Kyle, Kyle Chandler. Leave it alone. I want it like this. <laughs> he really it's did always head. wear his hat cocked to the too. side. It is always cocked to the side. I will say something about Kyle Chandler. That, and it used to frustrate the hell out of me because I wear baseball caps all the time. But when I take my hat off, my hair looks like somebody took a giant turd oh, on it. Oh but when <laughs> Kyle takes his hat off, the hair is like perfectly quaffed. It doesn't Perfect. make any sense at all. And it always How somehow goes in slow motion. Yeah. What goes in slow motion? His hair. When he takes his hat off and the oh. hair just flows perfectly. Oh. It's like when Ariel comes out of the water in Little Mermaid. <laughs> That's how Kyle Chandler that. moves. That'll give him a big fat head if you tell him that. He's <laughs> I think he's really good looking, which is ridiculous. He is. He's a decent looking fellow. Hey, I did want to ask you, how do you think Buddy changed since season one of Friday Night Lights? Mm. What do you think is different about him, if there is anything different about him at all? What's different about him is that he, you know, we all go through pain. Mm -hmm. And when we do, it makes us better. Hmm. And that's a bottom line. It was pain that changed Buddy. Because in the pain, he learned something about himself. He learned something about everybody and everything around him that he never knew. He also learned what it's like when you aren't a social creature and you have to confront yourself. Something like that. Something like, that. like that. What would be the main action for the entire thing? It's to feel that pain, to change. We just get better when it's hard on us. Just like every athlete, if you don't go through months and months of pain and preparation and discipline, then you will not win and you will not get better. And it's for every part of life. And that's what happened with Buddy. Yeah. By the time the show kind of wraps up, Buddy has kind of found a place for himself. He may not have as much money as he did at the start of the show, but I think that he's a little bit more content. There's maybe a little bit more joy in his life. Yeah, I think so too. And he certainly yeah. feels accomplishment that, you know, good man, Buddy Jr. He's going to be okay. Yeah. And that makes Buddy okay. Yeah. Because at first it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what am I going to do with this kid? I have no idea what to do. I also think that there was something about, you know, as much as I love Buddy as a character, I think that there was probably a little bit of, of selfishness on his part when you look at the affair that he had. And I think that he was more concerned about walking around and being the big dog in town. And I feel like some of that's kind of gone in a good way. Oh, by absolutely. the time that we wrap up in season five, you know, he's no longer concerned about what everybody thinks about him anymore. And he's taking care of his family a little bit better than he was probably yeah, in the opens first up couple that of seasons. Space, opens up space for him to have like the care and be there for Bud Light. We just watched yeah. five, eight, where you walk Bud Light, Jeff Rossick out of the hospital and you guys sit on a bench and there's just a two shot of the two of you. And my God, you guys look like father and son so much. It is absolutely, completely insane. The best casting. Wow, well, I loved it. 
I remember that scene sitting there mm-hmm. and we were both very still. Yeah. And it was good to be that still and to be it's real, just to be that relaxed. If there's a false moment, then the camera sees it. So yeah. there wasn't. We just sat there and we were still and we were at peace and we listened to each other and looked at each other and did the text as the uh, French. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of times on Friday Night Lights, and I can say this about my, you know, my situation with Taylor Kitsch, where Taylor and I became really, really close friends. So when we were doing these scenes where we had to play brothers, it didn't feel like it was acting so much. I mean, you and Jeff Rossick really, really hit it off. I mean, you yeah. guys got to the point where, I mean, still to this day, I know you guys are very close. I said this before, I know that you have daughters. Is yeah. there a part of you that in some way kind of looks at Jeff as like the son you never had? Absolutely. Maybe. We talked about that so quickly after we met each other. I mean, yeah. literally, I think that we might've brought that up when I picked him up from the airport when he had mm. arrived. Cause I picked him up. I said, can I go oh pick up gosh. buddy? Cause Bud Light's come to the set today. He's just got off the plane from LA. He's never been in his life. Mm-hmm. I said, can I go pick him up? So, oh yeah, that's good. So I don't want to talk to him because we've got this scene stuff. I want to meet him. Yeah. So when I picked him up, we just immediately started talking about stuff. He asked about kids. I asked about his parents. He said, yeah, his dad, you know, his dad had left when he was real young and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I had girls and I have a boy, not that I regretted it, but I just said, oh, well then you can just be my fake son. He's like, well, yeah, you can be my dad. You know, it's like we started oh my God. the beginning and also it's carried over into that deal where it was kind of like. I got to be his mentor, like Barry Corbin got to be my mentor. My job, I felt like, was to make him so comfortable that we could just act. And he was a great actor. I could immediately tell he was very talented and smart. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe some of his nervousness went away. That's what I wanted. I wanted to have a relationship with him. His nervousness go away. But answer your question, heck yeah. And we still yeah. do. Yeah. I've said that. I've said it's like, yeah, he's like the son I never had for sure. There were a lot of times too on set, I mean, especially after his injury where, I mean, you were basically responsible, not responsible, but you took it upon yourself to make sure that he got to and from places. And then when there was like a cast get together that, you know, he had a way to get there and, you know, get there on his little scooter. Yeah. This was before Uber. So Brad, I mean, you guys were pretty inseparable for most of season five from the time he got on there. I had said on the show that I thought, you know, in some respects, Jeff was like the son you never had, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just projecting that. And and because it felt that way from an outside perspective. It's kind of funny how that blends over. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? It it is. They they go, well, it wasn't acting. It was just you. Yeah. Well, you have that with Taylor. I have that with Annie too. Yeah. 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 My sister. Me and Kyle, yeah. we spent yeah. some time, we, did, yeah. we still do, golf, everything. Yeah. Yeah, we were hanging out all the time in real life doing pretty much the same thing we were doing. Yeah. Show, yeah. except we weren't fighting and I wasn't <laughs> trying to control him. You know, other than that, it was pretty much the same. You guys do that. bicker in real life though, but like in a fun way, like a married oh, yeah. couple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, you know, you like to poke at each other or it's yeah, like good friends do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the story, I don't know how many times it's been told, but one of my favorite stories in the world from that show, it has to do with Kyle. I got to give this guy some extreme credit props and every other word you want to use for it, for being at the state game and have a 105 degree oh, yeah. fever and working yeah. all that day and screaming yeah. and coaching and running and going back and nearly dying in his trailer and doing it for 12 straight hours. And it was dangerous and no one knew except yeah. those who knew it. I mean, he had bad bronchitis. And I was like, all right. This is what we have to do. I've seen it happen before, of course, and I probably feel like I might've done that, but not really, not like that. Not like when you're the leader and we only had that thing for one day and you cannot, yeah. 
you can't pay for another day. And if Kyle's sick, well, that not only shows the strength he had as an actor, but as a person and how your body and how your mind can overcome what's perceived to be a disease, but you can fight past it in certain ways. Yeah. For those who don't remember, at the end of season one, we hit Texas Stadium, the old Cowboy Stadium, and Kyle was, yeah, sick as a dog. It was bad. And I know we've talked about that on the show, but yeah, I mean, just to watch him go through that day. And not complain, not complain once. Never. Never. Uh -uh. I was going up to him going, how are you doing this, man? I I don't want to talk. I can't talk. Brad, shut up. You're not going to be super honest. I have bronchitis right now. And Miranda, our producer and Derek have had to listen to me complain about it for like 20 minutes. I am no Kyle Chandler at this podcast. (laughs) Well, that's okay. Hey, guess what works for that? You have red onion. Do we have a red onion? Chop up some red onion and pour honey in it in a jar Uh, uh and leave it 12 hours. Uh Red onion and the honey will mix into a very watery mixture. And then you drink it and it is not nasty tasting. It tastes like honey that's got a little spice to it and it will help you. It will help your respiratory system, your throat, your everything. I hear you. Um, (laughs) You don't want to do it? I hear you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Hopefully. I wanted to ask you, man, so we already discussed how you think maybe Buddy changed since season one. How do you feel that you, Brad Leland, changed after your experience on Friday Night Lights, not only as an actor, as a person? What is it about this show that you've taken with you on other projects? Are you kidding? I'm serious, man. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just think about it. Yeah. Everybody's career, everybody's everything. Plus, we get gigantic residual checks forever. Maybe. <laughs> We may not. That's what they're trying to take away. You're getting residual checks on this. I'm not. Do we? I did for a while, but not not so much anymore. How many years did you get them? Big ones. Oh, big ones for the first couple of years. I wouldn't complain. I mean, these aren't those ones that come in that are one cent or you know twelve forty four or something. No, no, no. That was helpful. I mean, five. It did not hurt. No, 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 no. But don't you remember this was also a time where people used to rerun television shows. They don't do that anymore so much. Yeah, we were like on everything network. goes to streaming. So the money that we get on streaming is minuscule to, you know, next to nothing. But yeah, there was a point in time when they would re-air Friday Night Lights on USA Network. And we got paid really, really well for that. We got paid really well when it was on ESPN Classic and all that stuff. But now that it's on Netflix and Hulu, like that, not so much. That's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. That's a different you know? podcast. It is, yes. The inevitable truth is that eventually they will take it all away from us because streaming it will all be streaming mm-hmm. and unfortunately that's just the truth i hate to say that i don't see yeah. how we can stop them at this point okay. i mean we can do everything in the world but i don't know how you stop those people but i wanted my children to have their inheritance which is 200 shows or however many i've done and they're supposed to get paid for them and they're going to be mm-hmm. streaming and they're not going to get i think they'll take away the pennies yeah i think they'll just say I you don't eventually. get any ever again because we don't need you Sorry, I got political. Never mind. No, it's all good. I think what they're doing is the same thing that they did with the music industry. Yeah. Okay, it's a downer. Just go back to (laughs) happy FNL. (laughs) Where were we on a question? The question was, how do you think you've changed since Friday Night Lights? Like, not just how your life has changed, but how have you changed going forward as an actor, just in general? Well, I've tried to 
take those things we learned that Pete gave us the freedom to do. I mean, you know, they tried to teach us that type of thing in college, but it was just so pushing against the old classical thing that we've been learning. We're learning that at the same time. We're learning this new way. And then suddenly Pete takes it to the limit and just goes, okay, say it, say whatever you want. I mean, this is a great script. And just like we always say, sometimes we said it exactly like it was. And sometimes we didn't, it didn't matter. The truth came out because we said it, we got to the bottom of the scene. We knew what the verb, one verb was the main action. And as long as you know that, that's all you have to know. And so I try to take that with me from that show for sure. Just mm -hmm. take that being free. And, you know, I think also that on every take as an actor, I think I learned this and I'm, I'm trying to do this now. I think it should be a struggle on every single take until you stop doing them. And it should mm -hmm. be a struggle on the last one. And if it's not, then I don't think you're doing your actor's job because it's our job to, to sit there until it becomes true. Just like Jesse Plemons mm -hmm. does every single yeah. time. Every time. Yeah. That was something really fascinating that I saw early on in my career. It's, I think that there was this idea of when I was younger that you work to the point where you get it. And then it's right and then it's good and then you repeat that over and over and over again and as i've gotten older it's not so much about that there is a right way per se it's just trying to find something different on every single take so yeah, not trying true. to force something different but being open and free to recognize that something different is happening and reacting to that something different happening not mm -hmm. trying to avoid and that was something that for me on friday night lights was something that i think i learned you know i think i thought that there was an end game and I don't believe anymore that there is an end game. I think it's just, mm -hmm. you keep working until they move on to another scene mm -hmm. and you keep accepting new stimuli and don't try and shut out what's being given to you. Just accept it and change and feel free to change. That's something that's a little difficult to do sometimes, I think on some television shows, because, you know, you shoot a master shot and then they're like, you know, then they get a little closer and they're like, okay, you moved your left hand on this line. You need to keep moving your left hand on this line every single time. As we all know, shooting something at nine o'clock in the morning, you're going to feel a little bit differently after lunch something's going to change in the scene and then feeling like you're beholden to something you committed to at 9 a.m and now it's 9 p.m it can get a little daunting so how do you work with that on different shows it's hard yeah you want to go back to the other way yeah. And you go, yeah. Golly, I can't believe they're still doing this. They don't need to be doing this. And then you yeah. watch it and you go, yeah, with this show, the way it's shot with these people, they need to be doing this because without yeah. the formula, they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Most directors that I've really enjoyed working with, I don't feel like they're beholden to their masters. I think the master is just there in case everything else goes wrong. And at least we've got one thing in the can. So if the whole entire thing explodes, we've at least got a completed scene. It may not be a great completed scene, but at least we've got it. They're not so really beholden to the master. They're yeah, yeah, they're willing to give you some breathing room and, and let it be organic throughout the day. But it can be a little tough when you've got a script supervisor coming over going, um, yeah, you took a beat here and uh, mm -hmm. you you were holding this in your left hand and mm -hmm. you need to you turn need your to head up this again. word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it feels robotic and feels like yeah, puppeteering then you're not, more than Then you stop acting. doing what we want to do, which is just listen. I do want to say when we asked you, like, how you've changed after your experience on FNL, and I have loved, loved watching the trajectory of your career. But also in my head, I also love that you haven't changed at all. Like, you're still the Brad that I met however many years ago. And there's something about that that just makes my heart really, really happy. And you are too. Yeah. And we didn't really know each other mm -mm. at all, I don't think. Not and before. then not only did we meet each other on the show, but then you were just there all the time with all the charity and all the beyond the lights. And we were all played together. And then I met your dad and it was like, we knew each other, but we didn't. Oh yeah. yeah. My dad's known you for a while. It get smaller and smaller. Yeah. The, more, the longer we did it and the more people that came in, all of a sudden they knew me and I knew them. And mm -hmm. gosh, it started to get in our real lives. 
accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. In a beautiful way. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm not nostalgic now. No. <laughs> I'm always nostalgic whenever I yeah. get Brad on the show or get to no. hang out with Brad again. It's it just, they were great times and it was a wonderful experience. And we I, can I mean, still just... have those now. I mean, my gosh. Oh, I, yeah. And we still in do. Fact, how about me getting to sit in front of Jesse and watch this whole Oscar thing happen while I'm rehearsing a scene in with him? In front of your eyes. Get yeah. To watch him work all these years later, watching how good he's become as we interrogated him through that entire uh, love and death show and just sitting there watching how good he i mean of course he was already that good but mm -hmm. now he's as good as it gets and, yes. and, and, and sitting there learning from him you know yeah. being able to do that and then the next week i'm on stage with bruce dern talking to 1200 people he's 90 years old and he's still doing what we're doing and he's still completely lucid and it's incredible he's talking about acting and how much fun it is to work with all these young people i'm like hey i'm one of the young people hello it's one and of the hardest things in this business is that you develop these really really close-knit tight relationships and they're under intense pressure you know sometimes these relationships only last a week Sometimes it's over a five-year season like we got to have on Friday Night Lights, but you have these really intense bonding experiences with these people, and then it's over. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's Bye. beholden on us to kind of stay in touch with each other. Yeah. But one of the wonderful things about this show, too, I was explaining this to someone recently, is that in the last 20 years, I have never worked on a project where I didn't know at least one person when I got there, you know? So whether it was a PA or a first AD or an actor that I've worked with before or an actor that I've met through another friend, that was one of the things that I find really fascinating about what we get to do. And one of the things that I love about this business is that we do get to bump into each other on new projects. You just got to work with Jesse Plemons. Yeah, a few people already. Over the, yeah. I mean, like Voodoo. I run into yeah. him on a Western and we're yeah. at lunch and he's over there having lunch and he looks up. We see each other. We hadn't seen each other since Voodoo left. He wasn't Voodoo anymore. Yeah, I would just like to say that I did not say voodoo. Brad Leland said voodoo. Stacy's okay. in love with voodoo. No. I'm not allowed to say his name anymore. That's why I've said it twice. I love it. Hey, yeah. when does that come out? The one that you did with Jesse and all of the yeah. very famous it's people. HBO Max. It's, it's out now. Yeah, Jesse was just nominated for uh, an Emmy. Jesse's nominated, and unfortunately, she should have won the Emmy and didn't even get nominated. It's it's, oh, wow. it's an insane performance by Elizabeth Olsen. I yeah. can't believe I didn't know it was out now. Oh, yeah. watch it. And it'll I get, don't pay it'll, attention it'll to get things. over your bronchitis. If <laughs> <laughs> you watch this thing, it'll take your breath away. That's for sure. Well, I'll eat my onion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, that show is really good, though. But watching Jesse and Elizabeth Olsen sitting there taking a master class from young people that are 30 mm -hmm. years old, you know, it's inspiring to me. So yeah. that's another thing that's been happening. Not only do we see people and work with them again, but then you get those kind of experiences. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then the other HBO show is The Last of Us, you know, which yeah. is gigantoid. And I knew when it was going to be. I saw you in episode one. It. But it was a blast just to be in it and work with that HBO people again, because they're always the best. They're just God, yeah, so it's great people to work with. Was, I was in the video really game of The Last of Us, and I still haven't been called in for the TV show. So I'm crossing There's my fingers that it happens. Season. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know there will be, but I don't think I'll be it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they turn you'll be a zombie. zombie. You'll maybe be a zombie. You could be a zombie. zombie. I mean, hey, he, maybe, when they go back to Austin. Yeah, maybe a flashback. Maybe we can get a flashback. I'd love a flashback. <laughs> yeah, that was shot in Canada. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, nice. it, it really looked like. I mean, they spend the yeah, money. Yeah, they did a good job. Everywhere. They get, you know, my people that did my makeup were the people that did Game of Thrones makeup. Yeah. English specialists, you know. I love it. Yeah, I love cool. it. Cool. Well, Bradley, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. 
Oh, my pleasure. I love having you. It's, it's always good stuff. seeing your face, man. Yeah. I hope we actually have content. Do we have content? Did we do it? Oh, I think we've got it. Okay, we got as long as we have content. <laughs> Guys, that's it for season five, episode nine. Join us next time for season five, episode ten, titled Don't Go. But until then, clear eyes. Full heart. Can't lose. Clear Eyes Full Arts is a podcast presentation of Blackbird Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Rastano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Rastano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and blackbarrelmedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.